Did you know that the perfect snack exists that not only has the yum factor, because that's important, but also packs a real protein punch? I'm talking about Wonderful Pistachios, a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Now that's a snack you can feel really good about. It's hard for me to currently pick a fave because they have several flavors to choose from, including no salt and jalapeno lime options. But if I absolutely had to, I'd say I'm in my no shells, wonderful pistachios, sea salt and vinegar era. It's the ultimate snacking solution for when you need a quick, convenient and tasty boost of pistachio goodness straight out of the bag. Whether you enjoy the ritual of cracking open each nut or you lean towards the ease of no shells, Wonderful Pistachios has something for everyone. It's time to elevate your snacking game with Wonderful Pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Okay, so hey, what's going on, ladies? This is Bree with the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. I want to welcome you back to another Monday morning episode. I hope you had an amazing weekend. I hope you had an awesome self-care Sunday. Let's go ahead and get into this conversation. Today, I will be talking with body and sex positive pastor LaVon Proverbs. Now, I will say that this episode is a heavy episode, okay? We are going to be talking about things like what it means to be a thriver, which is a survivor and a thriver after being molested by a dad for years. We're going to be talking about how we shouldn't gloss over sexual abuse um, and also what life is like after your boyfriend exposes your family's secret of sexual abuse. If you can't tell by now, we are going to be talking about ways to heal and work through sexual trauma. I will also say that there are um, a few cuss words kind of sprinkled in there, like some seasoning that you put on some soul food. Um, so I want to make sure that I mention that in case you have little ears listening. Um, but again, trigger warnings, trigger warnings, trigger warnings. I want to make sure I mention that. Okay. Now, this episode is brought to you by my girl Sugar over at SugarShackCollection.com. And hey, if your situation is ashy, like mine is starting to get ashy, um, you need to head over there, head over to their website now because they have an amazing line of bath and body products that you need in your life. Right now is the perfect time, okay, to get your skin all the way together plus step your self-care game up a notch. Um, so she has two specials just for us listeners. You can either get a free Fresh Start mini bundle to try out some of their products if you pop in cold brown girl during checkout and I'll make sure I put the link in today's show notes you can get right to that fresh start mini bundle and it's going to include two travel bar soaps one bath bomb and one travel sized body butter bomb the bombs I mean everything's literally amazing so you can get that if you use code brown girl or you can get 20% off your entire order like put everything in the cart Get 20% off. Stock up now for all your uh, seasonal favorites. And um, if you use code BG20, that'll get you the 20% off. And that's B like brown, G like girl, 20. I'll be sure to put links in today's show notes, okay? So don't miss out. This offer only lasts uh, for a limited time. All right, so let's go ahead and get into today's episode. Hey, LaVon, tell us more about who you are and what you do. 
Um, my name is LaVon Proverbs, and I am a body and sex positive pastor. I am also the founder of Beautiful Scars, which is an online storytelling agency focused on trauma, healing, and resiliency. Thank you for joining me. And all right, so let's get into it. So first question, and I'm going to probably ask you a lot of questions because some of the work that you do, I'm going to be honest, I'm not the smartest person in the world. So some of the stuff that I read as I was going through everything, Mm -hmm. I don't quite understand what it means. So you're going to probably get a lot of questions today. So as we get into this, LaVon, my first question is, what exactly is a body and sex positive pastor? What is that? It's a fabulous question. I get it all the time. And I say that I am a black woman spiritual leader who is no longer at war with her body. The things that Mm. my body does naturally, God-givenly, I embrace them, I accept them, and I nurture them. So that's what it means to me to accept this gift that the divine has blessed me with, meaning my body, my 5'10", 140-ish pound, you know, big booty, small bosom. (laughs) Okay, okay, out here, size nine, loving my clavicle, high cheekbone body. To love it and all of it. Yeah, all all that it does. Y'all. So I had the pleasure of meeting her in Atlanta at a conference, honey. And let me just get you all the way together with Miss LaVon's look, honey. Look, L-E-W-K. All right. When I first saw her picture, I was like, this heifer must be a model or something. Like, she just has these cheekbones for days. I'm like, mm. I don't even know if I should talk to her because she got these cheekbones <laughs> popping and... Thanks, mom. Um, yes. There's a woman a scholar. Her name is um, Reverend Dr. Melva Sampson. She teaches homiletics, which is preaching um, at Wake Forest um, Seminary in North Carolina. And when she first met me, she kind of gazed at me. She said, you're so ancestral. And mm. I didn't get it in the moment. But what I know to be true about my life is that I am the chosen one in my family to end generational cycles of abuse and to foster wow. intergenerational healing. So I think it's really important that I do have that aesthetic. Um, my parents are Caribbean immigrants. And so I'm connected to the African diaspora. Um, even oh. though I grew up in a very whitewashed Christianity. Um, so mm-hmm. it's really important for me to have this so that I know that I'm literally the embodiment of my ancestors. Oh, gosh. You just said that so eloquently. Oh, thank and you. You, ab- you absolutely <laughs> are. You. Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm a preacher and a poet. So, you know, uh, storytelling oh, no. well, is yeah. what I do. Yes. that And that makes complete sense. Like, yeah. yes, you're absolutely right. Thank you for that reminder. So <laughs> no wonder, because yes, you are very skilled. Thank so you. part of the thing that stuck out for me, you have had such a interesting life. Like, I want to talk about the obvious like I mentioned before, the elephant in the room when mm. we were talking, you know, mm-hmm. off, off, not off camera, off microphone. <laughs> right. Uh, there's a camera here. Uh oh. Right. Um, so you are what you call yourself, um, a sort of thriver. Mm-hmm. And if y'all didn't catch that, so that's S U R T H R I V O R, which yep. is like survivor and thriver mm-hmm. mixed together. I'm thinking. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Um, due to the relationship you had, and I mean mother, uh, daughter, father type relationship. Do the relationship you had um, it's not, that evolved. I, it's not even a relationship. It was the abuse that I suffered, right? Yeah, so thank you. Yes. Tell what, me tell me about that. What's critical is that um, 
for those of you who are not in a place to hear this, you can pause the podcast, come back to it, you know, a little mm-hmm. later. But if you're in a good place, let's rock. Um, mm-hmm. I was molested by my biological father for five years from the ages of seven to 12. And mm-hmm. for a long time, I thought that I had done a good job at repressing um, that trauma. But what ended up happening was that it just showed up in other ways. So school became a safe haven for me. And I was valedictorian Mm -hmm. in sixth grade (laughs) because I loved my teachers because they took care of me. And, you know, if I got good grades, I would get affirmation. So um, I didn't go the way of drugs and, you know, having lots of sex at a really early age. I went the complete opposite way. I became a teacher's pet in a goody two shoes to overcompensate because of the shame that I felt around it. And so um, there were a couple of times where I would try, well, no, not try. I did tell my best friend in high school. Um, mm-hmm. I did tell a boyfriend while I was in college. Um, but it wasn't until I told my mom also, well, actually I didn't tell my mom, my boyfriend told my mom, he, oh, wow, yeah. So in a drunken stupor, <laughs> oh my uh, gosh, he called my house. I was still living at home at the time while I was going to NYU. My mom answered the phone. And he was like, tell LaVon's father to keep his hands off her. (gasps) Girl. Oh, my God. So I got home that night. My mom was like, get your ass in this bedroom. And she was like, oh, my gosh. You know, she was like, did your father touch you when you were little? And I was just like, are you really ready to have this conversation? Mm. And so it immediately put a divide between me and my family. It was me and my siblings against um, my parents. You know, my mom didn't know what to do um and so a lot of times i'm sorry yeah i was gonna interrupt you right there really quickly were your mother and father still so i from seven to twelve well tell me the relationship between your mother and your father like as far as are they still married what what, where were they relationship wise between the ages of seven twelve and then when it came out by your boyfriend at that moment so my parents had me and my brother out of wedlock and then that's so churchy wedlock out of wedlock but they got married when I was like 10 I was a junior bridesmaid in their wedding so like literally mm. during the time I was being abused I was like dropping petals on the ground at the, well oh that's not what junior bridesmaids do but anyway I digress no I get so, it yeah um yeah they were they were together while I was in college and they ended up breaking up like separating um when I was in seminary and they're divorced today so my um I understand how young black girls feel when they want to protect the family unit. We feel like Mm -hmm. if I come forward about this, um, he's going to go to jail. Someone's going to beat him up or that kind of thing. And that's that self-sacrificial nature that's nurtured in black girls and black women that we need to deconstruct. Right. Um, I call Mm -hmm. that mortardom, M-O-O-R-T-Y-R-D-O-M, the sense of black woman martyrdom where it requires us to sacrifice ourselves our well-being in order to keep the family structure as dysfunctional as it is going Mm -hmm. and that is something Mm -hmm. that this christian ideology around you know the sainthood of suffering like no i don't need to suffer jesus already suffered i don't need to suffer Mm. (laughs) he already paid for it all sis like you like i don't want to have to do it too yeah I, i don't and i know that um, my story is not an anomaly. And that's the Mm -hmm. horrific part. Um, According to the Black Women's Blueprint, at least 70% of Black women are sexually abused before they turn 18 years old. I'm raising my hand because 
I was molested when I was a child as well. And not by my dad, who wasn't in the mm. picture, but by my uncle. Mm. So almost not, but quite the same. Still a family, you know, right. member. So mm-hmm. I, I just want to let you know, Brie, that I hear you. I see you. I acknowledge you. I am so sorry that happened to you. It wasn't your fault. And the divine is pissed about your sexual abuse. Mm, God, I just got the chills when you said that because I'm going to be real with you, LaVon. Oh, hold on. Woo, <laughs> mm-hmm. girl. Yeah, mm, I, mm, I, mm. I believe you. I received that and I'm going to tell you why. Mm. I mean, I received it regardless, but <laughs> it really struck a nerve because I don't think I've ever, ever, let me put emphasis on that in case anyone is missing it. I don't think I've ever been acknowledged in that way hmm. regarding that from anyone hmm. in my family ever mm. never so thank you for that because i think my spirit needed that mm. even many years later you're so welcome okay? sis and that's what thank i you. say to every person who discloses their assault to me because the first thing we need to do is stop in a moment, not gloss over it. Cause a lot of times we'll feel vulnerable, right? When we disclose something like that and we want to just say, Oh, we want to rep- uh, minimize it and act like it's not that big of a deal. Like, no, it's a huge deal. It's a huge fucking deal. And I'm mm-hmm. going to let you know that I see you. I hear you. I acknowledge what you just said. And I believe you. I, you could be a stranger on the street who came to hear me talk or preach. And I'm still going to say, I believe you because we have to create a culture of belief. Less than 2% of people who come forward about sexual assault are lying. That means over 98% of people who actually face victim blaming and ostracization or, you know, being excluded from your family and all that, they still come forward. It takes a lot to speak your truth. So, so that's what I say to everyone. And so for anyone listening who needs to hear that, imagine me saying your name and that I see you, Mm -hmm. I acknowledge you, I hear you, I believe you. It wasn't your fault. And God is pissed about your sexual assault. And so am I. And that's why I do the work Mm -hmm. that I do. I want to take a second here. Mm -hmm. Let's just pause for maybe like 10 seconds. Yeah. And let that person that's listening to this podcast just kind of take that in really quickly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whew, hopefully everyone did a cleansing inhale. Yeah, and take a deep inhale one. in. Yes. Hold it. Exhale audibly out of your mouth. <sighs> if you're driving, yes. if you're at home cleaning, whatever, just take a moment. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. That was very, that in itself was <laughs> at least I got part of my healing from that. Oh, so thank you for yeah, girl. Yeah. So take us back. Um, mm-hmm. Like I told you before, I'm going to be interrupting you here and there because I just want to get I all know. these nuggets that it. you have to share. <laughs> so now we're going to go back to your boyfriend. Got messy. He like, hey, <laughs> tell your baby daddy, you know X Y Z. Okay, he didn't say it like that, right? But, Right. You told your mom to to gather up her man right. and get him all the way together. So right. what happened after this reveal that you didn't even have a chance to do on your own? What, what, what happened? And yeah. I felt extremely exposed. And so it just oh. became 
this um not not a war but there became this tension right it was like me versus him my word against his word and like folks asking for proof and things like that and i'm like i don't have proof but do you think i would really want to lie about something like this i have no reason to do so and so you know um his side of the family they tried to mediate but what we should have done was called a therapist Someone mm. who was formally trained in um, managing and navigating incestuous um, families, because the fact of the matter is, um, no, you may not have been molested by your dad, but your uncle. And, you know, that's who it is. It's our, our dads, our brothers, our uncles, our cousins. It's our pastors, our preachers, our teachers, our coaches, right? Who may not be biological family, but they are spiritual and social family. And so the thing mm. is, uh predators are not these creepy guys you know lurking in dark alleyways that's what that's what the stereotype is that's what society wants us to envision but it's actually the people who are closest to us it's the people that we love respect honor cherish right and so it is incestuous and even as i locate myself in the black church tradition we refer to each other as we're all god's children and we're sisters and brothers in christ and it's like That means when you rape me or molest me or abuse me, that is incestuous as well. So we really need to be equipped to one, believe survivors, two, hold perpetrators accountable, and three, Mm -hmm. engage in active uh, therapeutic endeavors to, to, to help you know, help the survivor heal, restore the predator. I'm not there yet, but somebody got to do it <laughs> and figure out how to end this trauma. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So much in there is just so true. And I feel like we carry this responsibility, like how mm-hmm. you had, you didn't even have the, I don't want to say courage as in you were not brave. You, but you didn't have the, I, I don't even know what word I want to use here, but you, because I was the same way. It took me so long to even tell my mom this. Mm. It took me probably not as, definitely not as long as how you endured for so many years. It wasn't, my situation is not the same. Right. I don't even remember, honestly, I have so many holes in my memory. There's a lot of stuff that I can't remember. And I learned that that's probably even still my body's way of or my mind's way of protecting myself, I guess. Um, So I couldn't tell you how long it was, how many times. I couldn't even tell you really what age I was, though I kind of have an idea. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't, I was scared to tell my mom Mm. because I, just a whole nother episode, just our family dynamic, of course. But I was frightened as a child. And I remember back in the eighties, those commercials, those dare commercials or, or sexual abuse, like, whatever, telling you to encouraging you to tell people, you know, that has happened to you. And I would look at those commercials and I would just feel like I was holding and harboring, mm. harboring such a heavy, black, dark, mm. scary secret. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, and I had to pretend to be normal, quote unquote, normal. I wasn't always a normal kid, but I had to pretend to be myself and be right. normal. And it was a lot of fucking stress and yeah. worry and anxiety and stuff to carry around for a kid and i can imagine or i would imagine that you felt that same thing too yeah i de- i mean when i would have um encounters with my father when he would abuse me i felt 
wrong. I felt bad. I felt dirty or shameful. Um, but this was my dad. So he mm-hmm. wouldn't do anything to hurt me. So this must be normal. I thought all girls got checked after they took a shower. I thought that mm-hmm. was just standard protocol, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the thing is when that becomes your norm, even though in your body, you don't feel like it's normal, you're then at odds with yourself, right? There's this cognitive dissonance happening where it's like, wait, this doesn't feel good. It makes me feel ill. It makes me feel sick. Why mm-hmm. isn't he doing this, you know, when mommy's around? Like, what's mm. and that was something that my mom really had to work through. And I, I don't know if she's in therapy, if she's working through that. We're still in communication. My father and I are not. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, parents who blame themselves. There are some women who know their boyfriends are, sh- are shitty and know mm-hmm. their boyfriends are molesting or raping their daughters. And they're like, well, I, I need a man. So you just gonna have to. Oh, you know gosh. what I mean? But mm-hmm, that was the case. She didn't know. And my mom loved being a mother so much that she placed a lot of her self-worth into that. So when she found out that my dad abused me, you know, she was crushed. She felt like a failure as a mom. And so for those of you who are mothers or are struggling with your mothers around this, their stuff is not your stuff. You have a lot to carry already. You cannot take on your mom's feelings about your, your trauma if she in fact knows. So that's just another, you know, layer of guidance and affirmation for my fellow cert thrivers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do you feel or what? Wow. Hmm. So you, so this was from seven to 12. And I think you said you were maybe in college when he said that. When my boyfriend called the drunk house, called the house drunk. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was in undergrad. I was a first year student at NYU. Um, when I was in high school, I took a film class and fell in love with it. And I was like, I'm going to be the female Spike Lee. I'm going to NYU. Oh. I got to NYU. Yeah. I hated it. So I've been telling the stories oh. forever. So I had a night class on Wednesday. So I got home late, like, I don't know, 11 from like 9.30 in time for my class. But <laughs> that was it. And then um, when, after I told and, you know, it came out in the family, like we never mm. really talked about it again. Mm. Um, that is so service it really is it's almost like like don't ask don't tell you know in black communities mm-hmm. we say dumb shit like what happens in this house stays in this house <laughs> oh girl <laughs> yes and yes like, yes yes that that is a phrase that we need to eliminate from our vocabulary you know telling your daughters or your sons for that matter because i said so go over there and hug your uncle. Like your child is visibly distraught and does not want to touch this adult person. And you're like, go give your uncle a kiss. That teaches little black girls that they don't have ownership and agency over their bodies. And that when an adult tells me to do something, I need to do it, even if I feel uncomfortable doing it. And that is Mm -hmm. how we prime our black girls to be sexually abused by predators. One of the ways we do that. One of the ways. Absolutely. I didn't always have it together. My daughter is 16. So in retrospect, sometimes I'm like, oh, man, she's already 16. I've already ruined her life. I have no more years to go back and <laughs> correct did you, some of the Bree, did you ever talk to your daughter about good touch and bad touch? Um, I can't remember yeah. a specific conversation, mm-hmm. but I'm a thousand percent positive that we've had conversations about 
all kinds of stuff, even mm-hmm. though she doesn't want to hear it. I don't care. We have those conversations. <laughs> Girl, she'd be like, oh my God, I, I don't want to hear it. Fingers in her it's ear. Like, talking about la, 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 la. Oh, poor Pixie. Yeah, but I just yeah. want to know that she, and actually, we just talked today because, you know, she's 16. So mm-hmm. there's been a few guys that kind of caught her eye. Mm-hmm. And today, unrelated to what we're talking about as far as um, molestation but I was even telling her today you know I want you to tell me everything which of course yeah. she won't but I want you to feel comfortable telling me everything um, and just know your worth and don't mm-hmm. be messed around with these little knucklehead boys that are going to bring you down mm. and I even told her girl make sure you have have your fuck you money fund set yes. up even if you're married and so we was talking today <laughs> and I think a little I think a little bit of it came through but in regards to like that kind of stuff I'm I I can't say that I've had that conversation recently, but I'm sure even as a kid, it came up a many a time. And even still, even when she goes to her father's house, mm-hmm. um, and even though I, I will say, I don't think he would, if I did, he, she wouldn't be going over there, but I don't mm-hmm. feel like he would ever, but you can, hmm, how can I put this? I'll just say you are never 100% certain about what someone will do. You can't, so whenever, you can't put you it can't. past anybody. You cannot put it right. past anybody. Right. So when she goes to her dad's house, you know, I'll, or, or, cause they'll sometimes go out of town and mm-hmm. she'll see her cousins and they're having fun. And I want her to do all that. Cause I didn't experience that when I was a kid. Right. But when she comes back, especially when she was a little bit younger, I'd be like trying to be sly about it, but trying to get the, trying to get the information, you know? Right. So what'd you got to do? Who'd you see? Mm-hmm. Who'd you sleep with? What band you sleep in? What was going mm-hmm. on? You know, just, I want to know, I want to be on top of that shit because I don't, ever want her to experience anything remotely close to what I experienced as a kid because right. once that happens to a child let alone a grown-ass woman but once that happens to a child yeah. it changes the course of your mind and yep. your life forever yep you are forever changed. forever changed and you deal with it for life it's a lifelong sentence and yes. The key, I think, is having conversations with our little girls about good touch, bad touch, being like, you know, where you're wearing a bathing suit, only you wash that. Like, and anyone who Mm -hmm. wants to touch you there has to ask, even mommy, even daddy. Um, My Mm -hmm. old roommate um, in Atlanta, her name is uh, soon-to-be doctor, Shamika Poetry Thomas. She's a PhD student at the University Mm -hmm. of Miami. She's studying sociology, black birthing, and black motherhood. And she's got mm-hmm. a daughter, Zaya River, who I believe is about seven or eight now. But um, mm-hmm. she told me the story about when she took Zaya River to the pediatrician and the doctor um, reached out his hand to, to touch her, to examine her. And Zaya River was like, you have to ask me first, right? She's like five. <laughs> and so yeah. the doctor was like, may I please examine you now? And she was like, yes, you may. So All right. it, kids are not too young. Because if they're young enough to trust, they're young enough to be abused. And if you're young enough to be abused, you need to be young. uh, You are old enough to be trained to say, no, don't touch me there. You have to ask. Right. And I don't think that's Mm -hmm. something that black folks are used to doing and instilling in black women because our bodies haven't been our own. Not since chattel slavery. Yes. You know what I mean? We're not used Mm -hmm. to black women owning their own bodies. We're not used to women owning their sexuality. If a black woman owns her sexuality, has sex whenever she feels like it, pleasures herself. She's a hoe. She's a harlot. Mm. She's, you know, she's mm-hmm. gank out here. And it's like, no, she's a woman. <laughs> mm, I love that so much. And I'm, I'm so glad that more and more of us are teaching 
I think it's going to take a little more time because we've mm-hmm. been systematically so traumatized. Mm-hmm. We're, we're trying to heal from this, that, figure this out, that out, generational things and curses and all that stuff. Um, and even myself, like I said, just checking myself, I've become more aware, right? you know, and I wish, like I said, I would have done certain things when she was younger, but I'm mm-hmm. hoping that I, I am still instilling, like, for example, I used to just go busting in the bathroom, uh-huh. you know, because I'm like, in my eyes, I'm like, I haven't seen it all, girl, but I have to remember, and I don't do this anymore, or even to her bedroom, you know, I have to remember that she is a whole ass person. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I can't just go busting, busting up in there. And like, if I'm playing with her, cause we'll like play around, I might tickle her and stuff like that, but she'll be like, stop. You know what I mean? And I used to just keep on doing it because we're playing and we're having fun, but I'm more mindful now. Like if she's saying stop, I want her to know that her stop means stop. Stop means stop. And that was the last time that my dad touched me inappropriately. I was 12 Mm. years old. We were in Mm -hmm. our apartment. My mom was cooking and it was a railroad style apartment on the Upper East Side in Manhattan. So you come in through the kitchen, you go in the living room, the bathroom is to the right. You go, it's me, my brother's room. You keep going all the way in the back of my parents' bedroom. So -hmm. it's important to know that because that means anytime we were cooking or eating, everyone was closer to the front of the house. So my mom Mm -hmm. is at the stove cooking. I'm to her left with my back against the front door to the apartment. And my dad is standing between my mom and I at the kitchen sink. And so I'm wearing an oversized T-shirt. This is before white tees were a thing. Um, Comfortable at home. And my dad reaches over and pinches my left nipple and like kind of pulls at it playfully. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, "Um, stop. Don't do that. And Mm -hmm. he said, I can touch whatever I want to touch. And I was like, no, you can't. And my mom looked at him and she said, she said, stop, you stop. So mm. that was the last time that uh, he ever touched me inappropriately. And I feel like when we have a sense of self-agency and body ownership, we can advocate for ourselves. Um, and then there's one more thing I want to share because you yeah. said the key phrase that is very controversial um, when I respond to it, but generational curses. I actually don't mm-hmm. believe in generational curses. I believe okay. what we're calling a generational curse is actually the result of in, uh, intergenerational systemic silence, stigma, and shame. Tell if, me about that. If we do not have open conversations about sexual childhood sexual abuse, rape, molestation, then the conversation never becomes quote unquote normal, right? It's always something Mm -hmm. that's considered taboo that we have to keep behind closed doors. And that's what allows it to fester. And if we remove the stigma, which is what I do every time I tell my story on social media, in a pulpit, on a stage, then Folks who have experienced that can come forward and say Me Too, which is why we had the reemergence of the Me Too movement in 2017. Thank you, Tarana Burke. Um, And then it forces the conversation. And I know that people are getting Me Too fatigue. Men are saying dumb shit like, well, now I don't even want to hire a woman. It's not the hiring the woman that's a problem. It's you sexually harassing her that's a problem. So what you're saying is you don't want to change your trash, (laughs) toxic, patriarchal, uh, misogynistic, sexist ways of being in the world. That's what I'm hearing you say. So needless to say, just having the conversation, it's important for 
spiritual leaders, for folks who are in any kind of position of influence to condemn and denounce sexual abuse and sexual assault, um, to know that Black women are safe in this space, that if you come forward, we will believe you. And once mm-hmm. survivors slash survivors start to see that, oh, this is safe space. I will not be abused here. I'll be believed if I tell my story. I can heal here. That's when the silence is shattered. And that's when we can heal. And once we are healed, then we can shift into an advocacy role, right? Where we're saying, Mm -hmm. let's end this, but we can't end what we don't talk about. James Baldwin said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed unless it is faced and it's time to face it. Oh man. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is beyond time to face all this beyond. stuff. All, yeah, way beyond all this trauma that we have and that we're dealing with that just keeps circling around and around and around and around. Who showed you that it was okay to aim high and go for your dreams while also just being yourself? For me, it was radio host Big Boy, Oprah, and KTLA news reporter Gail Anderson. In part, these people are the reason why this podcast specifically exists. This is the power of Black representation in media. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is more than a podcast. It's a celebration of Blackness from NPR where every voice is as distinct and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In this collection, you'll find stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment. Each episode, a living account of what it means to be Black today. From the intricate narratives of The Wire to the wisdom of Michelle Obama and the urgent call for reparations, Black Stories, Black Truths really is the truth. Space wasn't always made for our perspective, so NPR's new collection is necessary as it celebrates the richness of the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. Feeling more grounded and relaxed is Black girl peace for me. And so I really need that while doing things like uh, tackling my to-do list or even braving this crazy LA traffic. If you know, you know. So something that helps me tap in is Recess Mood. It's a delicious sparkling water made to enhance your relaxation time and mood without any alcohol involved. So what you will get instead is real fruit, mood lifting magnesium, and stress balancing adaptogens. And again, no alcohol plus no added sugar. So I've tried all the flavors and I really, really like strawberry rose. It's like um, a little burst of peace in the middle of chaos because again, for real, navigating this Cali traffic is insane. Now, recess mood is not only my go-to for staying balanced while on the go, but it's also good for chilling at home too. It's like having a little slice of relaxation right in the palm of your hand. So next time you need a little pick-me-up without the alcohol, without the hangover, give recess mood a shot. It's been a fantastic addition to my routine. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com forward slash self-care and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. 
My hair is kinky, it's coily, it's beautiful, it's all the things, but the dryness is real, so it's also prone to feeling parched. This is why Waze Anti-Frizz Cream is my new BFF. It not only changes frizz, but helps my hair feel more hydrated. Listen, summer is coming. We are trying to be outside, going to brunch, plus traveling, and summer activities aren't always kind to our strands, okay? So let me tell you what I do for this. I wash my hair every one to two weeks. Don't sleep on Waze Detox Shampoo, by the way, if you have hard water or buildup. I detangle, I smooth in a little of the Way Anti-Frizz Cream, then shingle in my natural gel. My hair is frizz-free, it's hydrated, and it's cute for days. Love sleek styles? Waze Anti-Frizz Cream works as a heat protectant up to 450 degrees as well. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code self-care for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, promo code self-care. And it's not being addressed on a wide scale. I mean, because if it were, it wouldn't still be happening so much. And by address, I don't mean just sharing of stories, which obviously is super important mm-hmm. and crucial and healing and therapy, but all the work is not on us, which right. I feel like it is. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It ain't just about us because I'm sure if there were no men here, the amount of <laughs> <laughs> assault and, and all that kind of stuff would probably decline. Cause what, what, what was your number again? 85% of at, women. Did you say that? I said at least 70% of black women are sexually abused before oh, they turn 18. So could you imagine if there are no men, what percentage do you think that would be? Maybe 1%, 2%? (laughs) It would definitely be lower because while women are perpetrators, by and large, perpetrators are men. And I saw a TED Talk by Jason Katz who says um, that we need to call sexual violence and sexual assault male sexual violence. He's like, because when you just say sexual violence, it's just like this beheaded figure that's kind of just, you know, like looming about. But when you attach male to it, it puts uh, the responsibility and the onus back on the predator and the perpetrator and not on the victims. And I think that is so key. So I am very clear. I say childhood sexual abuse and or male sexual violence because the same boyfriend that called my house that Wednesday afternoon was the same boyfriend Mm -hmm. who raped me. I remember. What? Yes. Yes. I experienced intimate partner violence at the hands of my Mm -hmm. boyfriend. So all this bullshit about you can't be raped by your husband or your boyfriend. It's bullshit. Um, when I say no, that means no. And he did not listen to my no. And so wow. I am very clear that I have a lot of work to do around trusting men. My father, the first yes. person, the first man in my life who's supposed to protect me and care for me and provide for me, betrayed me. And then this man who seemingly was protecting me in a weird kind of way um, ended up harming me. And so I realized that as I am literally at the midway point through filing for divorce for my soon to be former spouse, that Mm -hmm. like you said, when this happens to you as a child, it shows up in every single space, school, work, relationships, friendships sometimes, right? Like. There were times where my boyfriend would reach out to me, um, and this was before the assault, and he would just want to like lay his hand on my thigh, and I would flinch because I was just so 
um, I, I mean, I, I was diagnosed with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I had that and that was a symptom, right? Being afraid of touch because of the way that touch was used to harm me when I was a child. Inappropriate that touch. That is very, very interesting. It's making me reflect on some stuff in relationships. Mm-hmm. I never would have even thought PTSD, but that, yeah. Okay. That I'm, I'm feeling that. I understand. That makes complete sense. Yeah. And again, I'm not a therapist, so I'm not diagnosing you. Right. Someone can, yeah. but um, think about it, you know, having flashbacks, um, being hypervigilant, um, maybe even a little paranoid. You know, there are times where I have to say, remind myself, I am safe. There are times where I have to parent seven-year-old LaVon who's still living on the inside of me and hug her and hold her and let her know that she is seen and that she is loved and that she is cared for. So Hmm. that's work that I'm doing with my therapist. Praise God. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that is so important. I'm glad you're getting that. That's a part of your healing, you know, program. I I have a question for you because, well, how can I even say this? So... Think so you had actual, yes, I'm trying to formulate these thoughts here because it's just so much. Um, so male sexual violence, you had your dad um, that sexually, ab- or, you know, sexually abused you. Mm-hmm. And then you're in this relationship with this gentleman or this young man. And all right, let's talk next, about that. That's no. another podcast episode. But so I met him when I was 17. I went to a high school graduation party and he was with the DJ. This is a movie, girl. So he comes <laughs> up to me and he's like, you know, you're the baddest bitch in here. And what hmm. was my response? I know. <laughs> you're like, I know. Ignorant as fuck. Okay, so um, needless <laughs> to say, he found out I was 17 and he was like, okay, when you turn 18, beat me. I'm I'm dating myself. Um, but he was a drug dealer and a pimp. Mm. And here is this, you know, super um sheltered, educated, privileged little black girl getting swept up with mm-hmm. this bad boy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, why do the good girls always end up with bad boys? What is that about? I think because we get so trapped mm. and we just need to break free because we can't i don't know if your life is anything like mine but you can't do shit you can't go nowhere okay can't talk on the phone right past a certain time right. you can't you know that's true because i used to try i used to talk to yeah. boys remember when you were a teenager you were talking to somebody and you had to use the house phone we had one phone line y'all okay before <laughs> everybody had an iphone or android or whatever and you would take the cordless phone as far away from your parents bedroom as possible you'd be talking like yeah you know such and such blah 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 <laughs> and you hear that parent come out the bat the bedroom to go to the bathroom you hang up real quick yes listen <laughs> See, my mom would come in, or she, I, I don't think she's ever done this, but she's she would be known to just go and rip the cord out the wall oh, if no. she got to a certain point. So, you know, I yeah, remember one time my know. mom did take the cordless phone from me. She was like, it's hot. Like, she just, you could tell I was talking on it. Oh, like, you own it. You just own it, just burning, burning up all the little battery cells on that cord. Jesus. Hilarious. I was going to say, what is it about this? This, I don't even say pattern. Um, because I too, like I said, we have similarities. Mm-hmm. I too was molested when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then I come to find out the one of the relationships that I was in was 
abusive, sexually mm-hmm. abusive to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why does that happen? Like, did I open myself up? I'm not placing blame on myself. I want to be very clear yeah, about that. It's not that. your fault. It's not my fault. I'm not placing blame on myself. I'm just wondering if I put off signals that showed I was weak in a certain way or, or something to where they just latched on they're like oh you know you know what i'm saying does that make sense no it makes sense brie so there are a few things at play here and of course you know it's definitely open for discussion um but mm-hmm. i think that society views black girls as um, hypersexual so we sexualize mm-hmm. black girls um mm-hmm. i think that we see black girls as not being worthy of protection. And so it's easy to sexualize us at younger ages. Just think about the demon Kelly documentary. The girls were saying over and over, everybody knew they just didn't care because we were black girls and we need, Mm -hmm. we don't need to see another tape. What we need is for people to give a shit about black girls. That's what we need. Mm. And so that's what I do by centering us and by saying we need protection. Um, you know, my, my Christian sensibilities lead me to quote scripture as a sacred text Mm -hmm. sometimes. And it talks about how we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Right. And there are these evil forces that seek to destroy us. And I think that's why it's so critical for us to nurture our own spirituality and not listen to ideology that's being uh, espoused from the pulpit. You know, shit like if you mm. have sex before marriage, you're going to hell. And like mm. it was somehow your um, your worth and your value is tied up in your status as a virgin. What does that mm-hmm. mean to the 12 year old who was raped by her uncle? She didn't do anything. So now she's like, okay, well, I just don't matter. I'm going to hell. I might as well just fuck anything that's walking. Might as well, do it. Might as well mm-hmm. just give it away because he already took it, you know? So I yeah. just think we have to shroud ourselves, care for ourselves, center ourselves and start loving us. And then when other folks get on board, cool. But if we don't got us, who does? Mm-hmm. 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 So... Yeah, I think we just, you know, we just nurture our Black girls, we heal our Black women, we talk about it more, we remove the stigma and the shame that's associated with sexual abuse and sexual assault, and we hold men accountable, and we we put an end to it. Yeah, we definitely need to do more of that and stop coddling these fools. Right. And hiding these fools. Right. And all of that stuff. And yeah, it, it has to... It has to change. And, yeah. and I think I, I wish that more men would step up to the plate since this is a man problem mm-hmm. and um, hold these people, hold these men, excuse me, not people, hold these men, men accountable and work with us to get these, pe- these people off, these men off the street or don't right. give them access. Right. Cause we, certain, we since tell, they clearly, mm-hmm. we tell girls don't get raped instead of telling boys don't rape right that 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 part <laughs> thank you for saying that part eloquently because yeah that part let's 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 the, the, the this other part of saying you know telling girls don't get raped okay sure you want to try it see how that worked it didn't work okay right. because right. the people that are the men that are doing the raping clearly didn't understand the message so how about we continue to flip it and teach these boys to keep it in their pants, learn some self-control, understand that no means no, stop mm-hmm. means stop. Yep. 
Don't get pissy. Keep your ego in check if someone's not interested in you. Right. Keep okay. it pushing. Keep it pushing. If she's not interested, she's not. She doesn't have to. She owes you nothing. She's not obligated. Mm. Okay. Um, it's not yours. Mm. It's never yours. You can't have it if she says no. I don't care if she's your wife, mm. your fiance, the cute girl that you talk to in class that, you know, you kind of dig in and she's digging you. I don't care who it is. It, if she's saying no, that means no. That Even means if back you hit it up. last night. You yes, don't, yes. I don't want to use that violent language, but even if you had sex with her before, that doesn't yes. mean she wants to have sex with you today. Yeah, exactly. And she's not obligated to do so. And she's not. So yeah, boys and men need to stop objectifying women, um, need to stop seeing us as tits and ass and sexual objects. Um, they need to stop thinking that they we owe them something, that we owe them our time, whether it's someone being like, on the street oh put a smile on that pretty face why are you in my oh. mouth get out of my face <laughs> you know what i'm saying like uh, I, I heard it this, i heard it this said like this treat a woman the way you would treat the rock like dwayne johnson like the same way you mm-hmm. would greet the rock greet her uh, until there's consent given and she has <laughs> welcomed you into her personal yeah. space <laughs> yes she's the rock to you bruh <laughs> exactly hands off hands you can off. be in awe that's fine you can be in awe you can admire right you know you could be stoked to see her that's great but hands off no means no and it's funny because not to bring keanu reeves into this but anytime i have a chance to bring him into a conversation <laughs> I, will. Uh, um, I am so in love with keanu reeves Are it's you? just something about his quiet i'm in love with a lot of men his but that's a whole nother conversation Hey, 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 oh, hey no. sister. The bus. Is I will go. disconnect oh. this podcast. <laughs> I'll be like, well, it looks like LaVon's uh, Wi Fi was disconnected. And I'm so sorry about that. But let's go ahead and no, oh, but for real, God. for real. Seriously. I, I don't know can't. what it is about the tall, sensitive, quiet I type that I just really <laughs> like. But that's just one of the person. Now, I have so many different pockets of things that i like but he he is one of the types of men just that brooding silent type mm-hmm, anyway mm-hmm. well my point was that if you well you may not have noticed because you're not you're a hater <laughs> you're you're a keanu reese hater but one thing that i noticed and i was just reading the, the, the other day is that he is a very hands-off kind of guy oh now, yeah obviously I I that. yes now i don't know what he's doing behind closed doors right, okay i don't part. know it could be anything, mm-hmm. you know, but I seem to recall a history and I even was reading it. All the pictures, like anytime he took a picture with a woman, he was doing one of two things or both. He kept a distance. Mm-hmm. He wasn't touching her. Or if there was a moment, like, for example, with Halle Berry or whatever, or he's got a, you know how they do like the little hugs or posing for the camera right, thing. Right, right. Huddled I did see that. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> his hands are backed off like he's not touching right them. You exactly know I mean? okay so, so like, Keanu Reeves was born in Lebanon I didn't know that so he's brown he Jesus cousin look, don't, don't be trying to uh <laughs> get on my man's bandwagon bandwagon I'm now I'm, listen I'm not I'm an Idris okay. Elba fan he got married oh, first oh, African oh, couple on the cover of British oh, Vogue oh, out here oh, just give you oh, this melanin honey okay oh he's so okay yeah. No, no, fine. you stay on your Keanu side. Hey, okay. Hey, 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 hey. I said I had a lot of a lot of pockets of men here. Now come oh, on. Listen, oh. I'm here for it. And that's the thing. Like, once I released um 
my fear around owning my sensuality and my sexuality because they're not the same thing. A lot of times mm-hmm. people will equate them, but your sensuality is everything, you know, smelling flowers you buy yourself, candles being lit, incense, sage mm-hmm. burning, um, you know, rubbing mm-hmm. shea butter or coconut oil into your skin after you take a shower or a bath. Like all of that is a sensual experience. And I feel like as I grow in that energy, realizing that it is a gift from God and that I am allowed and it's safe for me to express my sensuality, girl. These phone numbers coming at me left and right, honey. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I'm just really grateful to be in a place where I can thrive. And I don't think I'm actually, I know I didn't mention this, but I coined the term Sir Thriver in 2009 because I kept Mm -hmm. hearing people throwing around the term survivor and surviving just feels like I'm limping along. I'm meandering through life. I was in seminary. Mm-hmm. I was a slam poet. I had deep community. I was flourishing. And so I was like, wow. I'm not surviving. I'm sur thriving. I'm a sur thriver. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took facing my rage and my anger and the grotesque, horrific um, experiences that I went through as a child and as an adult, right? It took me owning all of that, facing it, naming it, identifying it, calling it what it is. Sometimes we'd be like, mm-hmm. you know, well, he didn't penetrate me. Like, Gnosis is still rape. You know, there's mm-hmm. something now called stealthing where brothers put on a condom, but right before they penetrate you, they slip it off. Like, that's considered sexual assault because I didn't give consent for this. You know, so there are so many things. And as Black women, what we do, we're like, oh, it's nothing. It's okay. I'm going to get tested. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a pregnancy test. Oh, that came back cool. Oh, oh, wait, no, I do have an STD, but I'm not pregnant. Okay, at least I'm not pregnant. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, Mm -hmm. We just keep it pushing and it's time to stop. It's time to sit and stew and lament and be angry and rage so that you get through that so that then you can get to healing. And once we get there, then we can start talking about forgiveness. But we can't just be like, forgive and forget, let go and let God, all of that, just move on. That's, That's not real. And anyone who tells you that doesn't love you. Or they don't yeah. know better. Let me not say that. Or they, they don't just know. don't know any yeah. better. I'm gonna or take, they don't want to talk about it. Or they, they, they don't want to talk, talk about it. Because the bystander effect is that if I don't um, acknowledge this, then I don't have to do anything about it. And it's so horrific, so grotesque for me to think about this person that I love, admire, who preaches on Sundays, who's always at my birthday parties, who coached me in Little League, to think about him doing something like that to you. I I, it, I can't do it. I don't have the faculties to do it. But just because you can't doesn't mean you won't, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. um, there has to be a desire to push through the discomfort, to push through the pain. Because as much as bystanders are grossed out by it, how much more is the survivor, is the victim? Let's center mm-hmm. victims and survivors. Mm-hmm. So we can become survivors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope you guys are getting all this good word and healing and freeing yourself yes. on this Juneteenth. Come on. This is the best Juneteenth ever. <laughs> yes, it is. Free yourself, child. You'll be much happier. Free yourself. Mm-hmm. So let's shift the conversation. Um, and let's let's jump into um healing. Yeah. And what that looked like for you. I want to <sighs> get all the tips and and everything that you can possibly share in regards to what your healing 
journey, which I'm sure wasn't linear, but, but what your healing right. journey looked like and how others can kind of start to embrace their own, like ditch the shame and right. start to embrace their own healing. What Can right. you tell us more about how that looks? Absolutely. And while everyone is different, I do think there mm-hmm. are some, you know, standard common practices that could provide a, a pathway, you know, an open door to healing. Um, for me, it was telling my story, telling my best friend and um, hearing me too, right? And being believed. So if there's someone in your life that you know will hold you down and um, not hold you down, will lift you up and honor your story, like tell them because the more you hold it in, the more you try to repress it, it doesn't go anywhere. Energy doesn't disappear. It doesn't dissipate. It just transforms. And so it could be showing up in your body as disease. It could be showing up as stress, right? Um, more often than not, we're suffering with mental health challenges that go undiagnosed because we're not in therapy. Um, Open Path Collective is a fabulous platform. The therapists on there are offering affordable care. You can find people based on where you live. Um, Psychology Today, you can narrow down languages spoken and sexuality, you know, like you can literally build a therapist (laughs) based on that. Um, Talkspace is another good one if you're more digital or you need something a little more private. Um, There's a National Sexual Assault Hotline for crises um, that's available 24-7. I launched Beautiful Scars and our first campaign is We're Sir Thrivers. Um, And we have Mm. a private Facebook group. We have um, a digital community on Instagram. And so you can know that you will be with other black women who have gone through very similar experiences as you. Um, and so that's a place where you can build digital community since we're living in the 21st century and everything is mobile now. Um, some day-to-day things that I like to do. Um, I have an mm-hmm. altar in my space and um, I pray, I meditate. Um, there is a musical group called Beautiful Chorus, who I promise you like is just a gift from the heavens. Like um, whether you need lyrics that are affirming about positivity and love and light, or you just need um, uh, an instrumental soundtrack to get you through your journaling or whatever. um, That's it. Um, I love baths. I love taking baths. I feel very Mm -hmm. um, sensual and cared for anytime I'm near water. I feel free and um giving yourself permission to feel whatever it is that you're feeling, whatever you're feeling, you have a right to feel, whether it is betrayal, anger, rage. Um, You know, we're taught to be nice girls, particularly if you grew up in church, right? Good girls don't get angry or curse or, you know, you just want to, we're people pleasers. We try to appease everyone and put ourselves last. Now is your season. Listen, if you don't go to church or if you do go to church, but you don't like your pastor, hear your pastor in this moment. This is your season to be selfish. This is your season Mm. to put yourself first, your needs, not to protect other people and their feelings and their emotions, not to take them on to your shoulders and your neck and your back, but to say, what do I need to feel healed? What do I need to feel most alive right now? What in this moment is going to bring me joy? Is it going for a walk? Is it taking a nap, right? What do you need? That's what I want you to check in with yourself multiple times a day with. Yes, check in with yourself. Mm, so many valid 
tips there. And I'm dancing. And dancing. Letting loose. Dancing. Not under the male gaze. In your room with your homegirls. Oh, yeah. Put on some city girls. Twerk it out. Whatever you need yeah. to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I have been known to take my clothes off a time or two. Yes. And get in my mirror and pretend that, like, we were talking about the body roll. You know, I Come can't on, really dance. But I'll be doing the body roll. I'll be trying to twerk my little, well, hey. ain't little, but I'll be trying to twerk my cheeks and stuff, you know. I'm twerking right now. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Yeah, it's something very freeing. Yeah, and about- dancing is a, great form of working out too so like i love spin classes i love yoga so making sure you're moving and really um nourishing yourself with your food too i'm not saying you got to go vegan because you can have a vegan diet and it'd be trash beer oreos and french fries are vegan but just like filling yourself with nourishing foods Mm. so i'm going to recap a little bit of that Mm -hmm. okay let me see what i remembered i wrote a few notes so we said dancing mm-hmm. movement movement kind of movement whatever you find works best for you it could be walking it could be running it could be dancing it could be twirling on the pole at those pole classes yes. could, mm-hmm, whatever you find that's going to bring you that healing go for it um nourishing foods mm-hmm. being mindful about what you place in your mouth because a lot of times the stuff that we're eating which again this is a whole other conversation but the stuff that we're ingesting myself included my hand is raised it affects everything from the rooter to the tutor. Yes, everything. Ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you're checking in with yourself. Understand that your feelings are valid, yes. regardless of what they are. They yes. are your feelings, and you don't have to apologize for them, nor should you. Correct. Um, let's see. You said beautiful chorus. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look them up on Spotify yes. after this. Can't wait to get into that. Um, telling your story mm. to someone that believes you. Yeah. Telling your story, getting it out, not being ashamed. That shame is not your shame. That's there. That's his shame. Mm-hmm. It's not your shame. Mm-hmm. He should be the one that's ashamed, not exactly. you. Right? Um, therapy. Yes. Talk space. Yes. Open path. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Assault, the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Mm-hmm to someone finding a group that will understand you and accept you and hear you and see you right right yeah all of that all of that you did a great job and there's so much more like i am an open book so please find me on the media of social at levon p and let's keep the conversation going (laughs) i'm on there baby beautiful scars beautiful scars that's me at where's the thrivers yes we're talking about health and healing and wellness um if you visit my website you can learn more about joining levonp.com is my personal website and then where'srthrivers.com um is the survivor survivor um community um i have a patreon community where we're talking about um faith and sexuality um I am a new African womanist Christian. So that means that I center African-centered way of thinking. I center womanism, which is all about Black women's experiences and amplifying our voices. And I did grow up in the Christian tradition, but I do practice ancient West African spiritual modalities um, as mm-hmm. well as, you know, we go to yoga. That's <laughs> our, 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 mm-hmm. our um, Southeastern, our South Asian friends, you know? So, but the thing is that, no matter what uh, school of thought 
you bring in for your healing, like it's all doing the same thing, whether you're talking about the Holy Spirit um, and getting in the spirit or aligning your chakras, right? It's all about healing the energy in your body that has experienced trauma. So um, I'm a spiritual life coach. I'm a, a workshop presenter, keynote speaker. I run my mouth for a living, y'all. <laughs> That's what I and do. And I would tell you my personal experience, even though she is uh, super funny and just so chill, um, she's just a very, I don't even know how to describe it. Her, it's just, you just got to take her all in because she's Aww. just so amazing. I had the chance to meet her in person and I was just in awe. She's just so fun and so Aww, vibrant. Sis. <laughs> so caring mm. but just so fun like caring and fun and so <laughs> I mean, we just had a good time and i'm just so glad that you're in my sister circle you're a part of my tribe forever mm. and i just you. appreciate you. i really really do so last question here yes. last question here um and this is very simple if there's anyone that is listening to the sound of your mm. voice okay mm-hmm. and they're ready their hand Levon and they're saying you know I was abused yeah actually by <sighs> my friend my dad mm. uh, I was raped whatever the scenario is mm-hmm. ultimately I was sexually I was male I was a victim of male mm-hmm. sexual violence what is something that you can tell them uh, or what what would you like to say to the person that's that's they haven't really started their journey of healing yet. They don't really know what to do. They're just out of sorts. Like, can you share just some, some words of encouragement to that person that's listening right now? Yes, darling one, I believe you. And I am so sorry that happened to you. It wasn't your fault. You didn't do anything to deserve it. And I want you to let go of anything that makes you feel like you were responsible for it. I want you to know that there is a beautiful, loving, kind creator who did not ideate this world for you. And due to people being evil, probably traumatized themselves, they took their shit out on you. And even though you might feel shame, grief, intense and deep suffering and despair, if you are willing to take the first step, the creator will meet you on this journey. Healing is not only possible, healing is your birthright. Hmm. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, yes, it is. Well, we're just past the hour mark. And though there is much, much more, I know you can go on for hours and hours and we can get all that good, good. Yes. Um, I have to invite you back for another episode. Okay, turn here. up. Yeah, yeah, mm. we'll definitely, or we'll, like I have a whole crew. We'll definitely have you back, LaVon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you for this important conversation, Bree. You know, we did, we did go there. So make sure you take care of yourself the rest of the night you need to pour another glass of wine or light some sage or palo santo you know just take care of you for all the listeners (laughs) take care of yourself thanks levon you're welcome darling one 
Thanks so much for catching this week's episode of Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. If you want to keep up with Miss LaVon, um, I'll put her information in the show notes. But if you want to just quickly check her out, you can head over to Instagram and check her out at LaVon P, which is L-Y-V-O-N-N-P. Or you can catch her on We're Sir Thrivers on Instagram, W-E-R-E-S-U-R-T-H-R-I-V-O-R-S. I will see you next week with another episode of the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. Have an excellent week and we will catch up soon. Bye.